the Fertility Podcast is here to help you understand more about your fertility and for the last eight years has published a lot of conversations with experts and people sharing their stories. It's now going back to its roots, giving you people's lived experiences once again to give you comfort in knowing there's a community of people who get it so you find commonality, be inspired and know you're not alone. Started by me, Natalie Silverman, a former patient, once I was pregnant after fertility treatment, I later joined forces with Kate Davis, an independent fertility nurse consultant, who is now your host. And here she is. Hello. Well, this is a bit weird and a bit scary. I'm not going to lie. It's me sat here all on my own. No Nat. Wow. So... Yeah, this is me out of my comfort zone massively. But that said, I'm really, really excited to be back podcasting and bringing back to you the Fertility Podcast after we've taken a little bit of break. Um, And so it's really good to be back and chatting. I've really missed it. Um, And now as I sit here on my own, facing the prospect now of going solo, I'm going to have to admit that I miss Nat. She and I just loved doing the podcast together and I loved our chats and I'm so grateful to Nat for teaching me how to podcast because I had no idea and let's face it, Nat does have, as I've frequently said in the podcast before, she does have the amazing voice and I don't. But what I do hope that I can bring to the podcast for you is sharing my patient stories. So stories that come from the heart, stories that are real life, true fertility stories that, as we said before, that we just hope that within that you find some commonality and some comfort. So whilst I miss Nat and she's off being incredibly busy with all all of her amazing work with Fertility Matters at Work, I'm sad that she's not here, but I'm going to give it a go. So this episode comes to you when I'm midst house renovations. Oh my goodness, tell you what, dust. I've never seen dust like it. It's taken about two weeks to partially fit a new kitchen. We've had windows changed, kind of big slider windows put in in the barn. And we're about to start soon on an outdoor kitchen as well. So we're mid renovations and it's, a, it's, it's great to kind of at last have the re- resemblance of a kitchen, but I still don't have a hob. I still don't have a plumbed-in sink. And I'm really sick to death of washing my dishes in the sink in the downstairs loo, if I'm brutally honest. But that's what has to happen. Hopefully, all of this chaos will be worth the joy in the end, but I will definitely keep you posted. So my first guest for this new series of the Fertility Podcast is a lovely, lovely lady called Paulina. And Paulina's talking about her fertility journey and how this was suddenly and completely shockingly rocked by a cancer diagnosis. So it's an interesting one to listen to. She tells us how she found out about the cancer diagnosis and what this then means for her fertility journey. So I hope you find it an interesting listen. 
Um, I'd love to, to hear your opinion, especially as this is the first episode of me going solo. So please be kind, but let me know what you think. Here's Paulina. So Paulina, welcome to the Fertility Podcast. It's lovely Thank to have you. you here. It's lovely to be on here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh no, it's a pleasure. Now I have to um, do a little bit of a, uh, a kind of a, a, an apology actually to everyone listening because it's it's actually rush hour in my office. Not in my office, outside the window of my office, it's rush hour. So it's got pretty busy. So if you hear lots of car noise, I'm really, really sorry. We're, we're recording this at just gone five in the evening. So um, yeah, it's inevitable. We've got a bit of car noise. So apologies for that. But let's get down to talking about you, Paulina. And I came across you on Instagram and I found your story really interesting because it's a story that is not really talked about a great deal. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just great to bring awareness of it. So please launch in, tell us about your fertility journey and what's been going on. Oh, thank you very much. I mean, before my diagnosis, I'd never heard of it myself either so I felt like I was the only one in the world that had this uh, kind of diagnosis so my diagnosis is something called a borderline ovarian tumor which means it's not not cancer but it's also not cancer you're kind of in that middle stage where um you're it could turn into it it could not um you're kind of every six months for my checkups I don't know if I've got another six months to go or I'm going to get the diagnosis it came around in September 2020 right in the middle of COVID um I was um I've always had really heavy periods I thought that was something that was normal because it happened to me every month I gained a lot of weight And all of these kind of symptoms I had, I blamed on PCOS, which I was diagnosed four years earlier. So anything that I had as a symptom, I just blamed on PCOS and thought, you know what, I've had it for four years now, let's get on with it. I knew something was wrong. I can't tell you what it was. It's something really silly that my dog, who doesn't really like cuddles, used to come and lie on my stomach for about a month. Oh, wow for oh why are you here you're never really that bothered about it my mum is a nurse herself and she thought you know why don't you just just go get checked up I think you're worrying about it go check that everything's okay once again I just thought it's PCOS and I kind of just left out that I did call during COVID about five times um to say look can you just put me in can you book me in for an ultrasound? I just want to check that everything's okay. Um, I want to get pregnant. I've been trying for a couple of years. Nothing is clicking. They said, oh, why don't you just go on the pill for a couple of months? Um, and that should kind of regulate your periods. They should get less heavy. And then we can go again. I said, I don't want to be on the pill because I want to have a baby. I'm ready. We're at the stage where we really want to have a child. Um, it was the first day, first week of September. I went in to have a meeting with Wanda, as everyone calls her on Instagram, an ultrasound <laughs> uh, that is obviously internal as nicely I can say it the doctor was just inside me for a little bit too long and he kept asking questions are you in pain I thought no I'm definitely not in pain Uh, have you been in pain recently I thought no I've never had a period cramp which you know I am very lucky but I do bleed really really badly he said 
are you sure? And he was, you know, taking lots of photos for a good 20 minutes. I've never sat in the office that long, you know, in the doctor's office and getting pictures done. I've tried, I tried to look at the monitor to have a look what is there, but you kind of just see a black screen. I have no idea what my tubes and ovaries look like um, from so that, that perspective. Must- Alarm bells must have really started to ring with you then at that point. Immediately, I obviously thought of the worst case scenario. But the worst case scenario at that point was just, um, I've got lots of kind of follicles when you do when you have PCOS. There's probably lots of them. They're enlarged. They might have to put me on medication. That was probably the worst thought at that moment of time. He said, a doctor will call you, you know, soon. I'm used to them saying, within the next five working days. He just said, soon. Friday morning, um, I got a doctor's call um, straight from the hospital. It was an anonymous number. I was in the car with my nan. I still remember I was on the motorway. (laughs) And they said, is this Paulina? Um, You've had the scan done yesterday. Unfortunately, we have found a tumour. We think it may be cancer. Wow. So let me just take you back to that moment then. There you are in the car. Yep. And you're told this, mm-hmm. you know, not, not even, you're not, you're not in a doctor's office where you can have support. You're there. Are you driving? I'm driving. No, you're driving with your nan in the car. Yep. And just kind of want to take you back to that, those feelings of getting that diagnosis of being told that yeah. and, and how, you know, what was it like? How did you take it all in? How did your nan react? I mean, that must've been an incredible shock for you at that time. Tell, tell us about that. Obviously the word cancer, when it's thrown out, you think, I don't have long to live. You know, it's it's a thing that affects one in two people now. And it's really scary. Cancer doesn't run in my family. That doesn't mean that it's not going to happen to me. But it was something that was quite far away from my family. And I just didn't think it would be something that I could potentially have. Um, I was in tears. I was just listening to this doctor. And I think the only thing I caught at that moment was tumour and cancer. And can you get yourself into the hospital tomorrow? We need an MRI scan, a CAT scan, a a full blood work and another ultrasound. Can you get yourself in tomorrow? Obviously, Nan was next to me. She was I think she was trying to be really calm and don't Mm. worry, like it'll be okay. I was a mess to the point where I thought it was raining because I just couldn't see anymore. The first thing I thought of was, oh no, I'm losing everything inside of me soon and I'm never going to be a mother. I am a primary school teacher, so I'm around children all the time and I just thought, why am I being punished for this? What on earth have I done to deserve this? And I was a mess for that whole night. And obviously the next day I had the MRI scan, had the CAT scan. It was, I've never been to hospital before for that many appointments. I've never had a surgery in my life before either. So I have probably gone to the hospital over a hundred times now um, in the last few years because of the blood works, the hormone panels, uh, progesterone levels, all the checks that they've had to do. I feel like the hospital is my second home now. Yeah, I bet you do. So you've gone from having that diagnosis, that shock rushing being rushed effectively into hospital to have all of those investigations then what happened next because clearly they can't not treat you and there was this concern then about what is this it was it was what is this um has it has it spread is it in one place an mri scan can show you a lot but it can't show you everything until they cut you open take it out and send it to pathology the diagnosis first week of September, I was on the operating table on the 13th of October 2020, roughly about five, six weeks after. I would have probably been on the operating table a bit earlier, but COVID was um, a massive deal, making sure that I was negative and making sure that 
they were what they were doing was of course safe. So 13th of October 2020, I had my first um operation, keyhole surgery done by my gynecologist oncologist that was already kind of taken over my case. I went in at 3:30, remember being an absolute mess. When I got down to theater, the first thing that the anesthetic um you know doctor said was we're doing a full hysterectomy, aren't we? No, no, no. I said no. No, obviously I was absolutely bawling my eyes out. I thought I am not going in there. They have no idea what they're doing and the nurse kind of reassured me you tell us, what are you doing? I, we need to know that you know what you're doing. I said, I know, but you've really scared me. I was um, going to say, talk about putting confidence in you right at that point oh, yes. when you're about to go into the it night. awful. Obviously, I counted to two. I was asleep, woke up, you know, about an hour and a half later. I remember them roughly showing me pictures, but I was so out of it. I had no yeah. idea what I was looking at. I know there was lots of yellow obviously that was my fat that they showed me that's all that I remember on my stomach and I remember them obviously before surgery saying if the tumor is quite large which they said it was a tennis sized ball and I knew it was a tennis sized ball the only reason I didn't feel pain is because I'm six foot tall and my organs were not being squished if I was shorter um I would have felt the tumor earlier and maybe wouldn't have got to that size, is what they basically said. The tumour came out. They were able to keep my ovary at that point on my left side. They sent the tumour off to pathology. Again, when I came out of surgery, I was in a lot of pain. The gas air in your shoulders, because they have to blow up your stomach to cut you. Excruciating pain. Mm. It was awful. I didn't realise how much I just used my stomach to sit and stand and go to the toilet. They sent off my tumour, um, which I called Henry. I don't know why I called him Henry. It was just part of my body and he he just left. Uh, two weeks later, they said, unfortunately, when we were operating that tube and that ovary, we just can't save it. The tumour... a borderline ovarian tumour. They said, so unfortunately, the best decision that you can make is to go in again and have your left ovary, your left tube removed, your omentum, which is kind of the fatty tissue that's on your stomach that protects all your organs. And we need to get that out soon before it kind of potentially spreads. I said, that's fine. I was booked in January 2021. So three months later, I was back in hospital, getting half of my kind of reproductive organs out at the age of you know I was 25 at that point um I mean that's just so much to go through isn't it you were going through all of that that terrible diagnosis all the surgery the repetitive surgery which obviously and you've continued to to have more investigations more checks I'm sure going through all of that at the tender age of 25 and then something even worse not more not even worse I don't know what you'd say I don't know how you would class it but something worse also happens doesn't it yeah it was already hard for me to kind of get pregnant and I couldn't wait to have it I hoped that you know January 2021 till now I would be able to conceive I haven't been able to because I don't ovulate now that's what they've said IVF is my only option which was fine because I was in an 11 year relationship and I knew that this is going to happen and four months ago I became single um not for any reason just to just 
just wasn't for us anymore. Um, so it was already really hard to get pregnant, even having, you know, an up, you know, my partner. And now I'm single, trying to have a baby with one ovary, which has PCOS. The tumour could regrow at any point. I've got every six months, I've got checkups and I'm in a five-year period, like a cancer patient. I've got a Macmillan nurse who looks after me as well. Just before Christmas this year, the 22nd of December 2022, I had a fertility specialists say if you want this baby and you want to be a mum I'm going to be honest 2023 we're even getting this baby up for you or it's not happening so where is that leaving you what's your what are you doing what are your actions uh, my actions if I'm honest with you I had my half term as a teacher after, after Christmas to January I thought I'm not going to think about it right now I went away to Paris for a few days just to clear my head and pretend that it's not happening to me and I have begun making a list of kind of pros and cons of every situation of every kind of way that I could have this baby unfortunately I can I mean fortunately I can have an IVF process on the NHS the first one for free but Mm -hmm. if I want to freeze my eggs unfortunately the NHS won't be able to do that for me I will have to go privately privately you're looking about seven thousand pounds upwards I have done some research so my plan of action right now is to go to a private clinic get an appointment tell them everything I've basically told you see what they can do see what the egg freezing process is like I wanted to save my other um, ovary before it was removed but I wasn't able to because when you stimulate eggs for egg retrieval you stimulate potential cancerous cells in there therefore if there was any cancerous cells left in me I would have basically given myself cancer trying to basically have a baby so I need the green light from oncology from my gynecologist oncologist to be able to get my eggs frozen because I feel in a rush the only way really to have a baby right now is a sperm bank and I you know I will have to look more into it search on Instagram there are plenty of women that do it talk to them see what it's like what they've said to their children how they've managed it how they've spoken to friends and family um I would like to freeze my eggs if I can so then I can use them when I you know have my fairy tale and fall in love again and have that person that I want to have children with you know my own children at that point um so I am going to do everything I can I think for the next year but I feel like every time I get close to having this baby it gets further away and I don't know when I have to just go it's just not supposed to be because I'm a fighter I've never let any of this get me down I love working I have a cry and then I deal with it talk to my friends etc but no one's got the diagnosis that I do I've only met three people on Instagram that have the same diagnosis as me one of them's in the UK and two of them's in Australia and so it's nice to talk to them but they don't have children so I feel like I need to kind of find a way to get this baby inside me I completely understand that and you know talking to you and you telling me all of the really difficult things that you've been through all the trauma you're sitting in front of me and you know luckily Paulina and I can actually see each other on screen you're sitting in front of me and you've just got the biggest smile on your face and I don't know how you do it you're just incredibly inspirational Paulina I genuinely mean that I think if I you know if I don't laugh about this situation then I would cry you know people's People go, you know, when I look at children, I go, oh, my ovaries hurt. And then I go, it's my ovary hurts. And my friends go, 
are we supposed to laugh? Like, we can't take you seriously. I'm like, oh, guys, it is what it is now. I've got to deal with it. Just laugh with me, support me, and help me when I need it. Pick me up. But I want to be a mum, and I'm going to do everything I can to to get this baby up me. Obviously, it is a lot of money. I'm a teacher. (laughs) We're all Mm. striking out there, and it's really hard. I don't have a bank of mum and dad, unfortunately, to help me out with this. So... I am literally by myself to be able to fund this. So that's the first step, really. That's the first step, absolutely. Well, I have absolutely no doubt the way that you are so motivated and determined that you will get your dream. I can just see it. I can just see it. But I totally appreciate that there are steps and hurdles that you've got to go through to get to So many. Yeah. (laughs) And it sounds as well that you've got this amazing port network around you, which is great. And I know, you know, from looking at your Instagram, which are you happy to share your Instagram? Yes, of course. Um, It's called Ovary Off because obviously I've taken one of my ovaries off. (laughs) And uh, there's a naughty word that says off as well. And I just want to kind of, you know, get it out there. So yeah, Ovary Off. (laughs) Ovary Off. So go and um, follow Paulina because she's just so inspirational. And we know that the Instagram community is just amazingly supportive. And if you can find some common ground and for you, Paulina, it's obviously been tricky finding people that are in your situation but do you know what you found some people Mm -hmm. which is great and I really hope that by you raising awareness by talking about what you've gone through now on the podcast that actually you never know there might be somebody else listening that could be thinking or being concerned about this and not knowing where to turn so before I let you go could you share perhaps just one thing that you maybe wish you'd known way back when that would have made a difference to where you are now that you could share with our listeners that might help them on their journey going forward? I think the main one would be kind of listen to your body and don't let the doctors think they know what your body is doing. You know your body very, very well. And it might be absolutely nothing and you're just worrying yourself. But if you think that you've got that butterfly feeling in your belly and you go, something's wrong, I can feel it go to the doctors and don't let them, you know, don't take no as an answer. Make them do the test that you want. Find out what test you need. If it's a hormone panel or an ultrasound, just listen to your body and don't take no as an answer because you definitely know something's up. Totally agree. Fantastic advice. I'm always saying that we need to become our own fertility experts in all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is a really empowering way to be. It's been amazing, as I said, talking to you. Thank you for sharing your story, but in such a lovely way that has just been so inspirational. Thank you. Wow, that was so interesting. Wow, what a way to get such a significant diagnosis when you're driving the car. I just can't imagine how difficult that must have been for Paulina to deal with that at her age. Now, I do want to say that a diagnosis of ovarian cancer is incredibly rare. It mostly affects women um, over the age of 50. So to be Paulina's age is just incredibly, incredibly rare. And obviously her diagnosis was a borderline ovarian tumour and as opposed to a definitive ovarian tumour. But regardless, she still needs follow-ups and you know have to keep a really close eye on how things are for her in the future. But just to give you an idea of what to look out for, because I think it's important to talk about 
all these aspects that impact on women's health and, and we don't talk about them enough. And it's really important that as women that we become really aware and empowered of our bodies so that we can look out for things that might not be quite right. So the most common side effects of um, an ovarian tumour are kind of noticing bloatedness, um, perhaps feeling pain and tenderness in the abdomen, feeling that you've got reduced appetite, that maybe you're feeling fuller, quicker than you would normally do. And also that perhaps you have a need to pass urine more urgently um, and definitely frequently. So those are kind of like the main symptoms. There are lots of other things that are associated with it, but those are the main symptoms. But it is really hard to diagnose ovarian tumour. And often women do um, present to their doctor quite late, clearly, because a lot of those symptoms can be related to something else as well. But I think, as Paulina mentioned, if you're really not sure what some, that some, you know, feel that something's not right, but you're just not sure, it's so easy for us all to attribute it to something else. And in Paulina's case, she was attributing it to polycystic ovarian syndrome. But actually, if you really feel that something isn't right, then do go and see your doctor. You're never wasting anybody's time. And I know it's so hard to get in with our GPs these days, but do persist if you need to. That's something that I feel that I'm always saying a lot is that persist, keep going back, keep going back. Despite all of that, I've been completely overwhelmed when I talked to Paulina, just how, how kind of she just deals with it all with such a smile on her face and I you know I was so privileged I could see Paulina while we were chatting I really do hope that when you're listening you can hear that smile on her face I, I had the privilege of seeing it but I really hope that you could hear that smile on her face and she is a truly inspirational lady and I wish her all the very best going forward hoping that she stays fit and healthy Um, And also that she is able to create the family that she really wants and desires. I'm sure you'll all join in with me in hoping that for her. She was a lovely lady to chat to and I'm so grateful I had that opportunity and I hope you enjoyed it too. Please do rate and review the podcast as it's brilliant for other people to know what you think. Even just hitting follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast really helps other people know it's worth a listen. Also follow Kate on her Insta, which is Your Fertility Nurse. And if you'd like to book in a consultation with Kate to understand more about your fertility and reproductive health, visit yourfertilityjourney.com. 